Um, so I want to welcome you. If you're new to Willow Park Church, uh, Willow Park Church is unique, four locations, six congregations, and we are really blessed that you've joined us. And if you're joining us online and you're checking us out online as often you do, stick with us. We're a church that loves the gospel. We're a church that loves to see people's lives transformed by the power of Jesus, right? Uh, we love that. Uh, this last um, uh, Friday night in our uh, film outreach event. We had over 400 people gather in our gym on Friday night to, to that great film, that great biblical film, Finding Dory. And, but what a great time uh, it was had by all that night. It was, it was quite remarkable. Pastor Steve texted me, he said, we're going to have to start turning people away. We're just putting chairs after chairs. Isn't that fantastic that our community loves to come to our church? It's, I love it. I love it, as you can tell. Uh, we're working our way through the Real Life Vision series. This isn't just a series. It's an explanation of the vision of our church that the elders have set. And there is a document available that explains our vision as a church and why we exist and why we're here and what we believe God's calling is on our life. So we've talked about that we believe we are here because we are redeemed people. We are redeemed because of the great exchange. He that knew no sin became sin for us. And because of that great exchange, your record was exchanged for God's record. You are forgiven and God has come in saving grace into your life. And so we are a church all about presenting the gospel as often as we can and inviting people to discover the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're into, and if you haven't listened to the messages, please do go online. The redeemed life. The empowered life. We believe that when you become a Christian, sanctification takes place and your life is transformed. Your character, your, your areas of your, your life that you struggled with, we become rapidly like Jesus. We leave the old behind and we cling to the new. He doesn't just come and renovate our lives. He comes and rebuilds our houses. He comes and makes that difference in our lives. And then he empowers us with the gift of the Holy Spirit so that we can do this Christianity. The Holy Spirit isn't just an optional extra. It's, 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 it's there. He is there for us to experience that strength and that power. And sometimes we think like the Holy Spirit is like an optional extra. You know, it's like we go to the car dealership and we go, well, you know, uh, what would you like, sir, with this car? And well, uh, do you want leather seats or PVC seats? Do you want air conditioning or no air conditioning? Uh, would you like uh, this colour or this slightly more tinted colour? What would you like? There are lots of optional extras. Uh, but the Holy Spirit is not an optional extra in the believer's life. Believe me. It is part of that drives us. It's like going to the dealership and saying, well, I'll buy the car, but I won't take the engine that drives the car. Really? Yes, 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 yes. Darling, jump in, I'll push you down the road in your new car, but without the engine. 
Because the Holy Spirit isn't like air conditioning, an optional extra, or like a tinted windows. The, the Holy Spirit is the engine that drives you forward in the journey of your Christian life. So we have to realize that we live an empowered life. And, and, and then an active life. And last week I preached on um, active in terms of internally, what is our church about? What should it be about? We spoke about they devoted themselves to prayer. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles. And they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. And that at the very least, we are called to be friends with each other. But fellowship is so much higher than friendship. It goes deeper. It is a bond that we have to care for each other. It is a bond that we have to gather around each other. That the church is called to gather and that we are called to devote ourselves to certain things. And we are called to devote ourselves to scripture. Uh, Devote ourselves to uh, caring and sharing and generosity and looking out for each other and making all things common. We are to devote ourselves to the well-being of each other. We are to devote ourselves to the breaking of bread and remembering the glorious cost that the Lord Jesus Christ did upon the cross. We are to devote ourselves to prayer. We are a praying people. You know, and I can feel the change in our church as we've been praying over the last two and a little bit years. Every mo- the last Monday of every month for Willow One Prayer, for the prayer meetings that are being held, for the prayer emphasis. You can even hear it in our language. God is turning us into a church that loves to pray for this world. So this is the active life. And we realize that as we... We, we think about the active life. We want to continue on this theme uh, this morning on that. So that wasn't the sermon. That was the introduction. <laughs> Aren't you glad that you came? Um, and if you're new, get to know us. We are really quite nice. Uh, we want to talk to you about being found. That's glorious, isn't it? You are found. You are found people. If active life is about prayer, breaking bread, fellowship, and about the word of God, active life is also about that we are a found people. We're not only a found people, but we are a priesthood of people. The priest of all believers, God has called each one of us to be ministers, to be missionaries in this world, in whatever gifts he has called us to do. And when we looked at the empowered life, we talked about the mercy gift, the word gifts, and the power gifts. But we want to talk about being found. And, and this is a beautiful thing, because you have been found And in Luke chapter 15, where we're going to kind of camp out a little bit, you discover that the Lord loves to find things. The Lord loves to find things. We have the parable of the one sheep leaving the 99 to find that one sheep. We have the parable of the lost coin, of the sweeping the house, even in darkness, to find one of the 10 lost coins. We have the parable of the lost son who goes off and spends his father's wealth in wild living. God loves to find things, don't you? It's in our DNA, isn't it? It's in our heart. 
How many of you love to find things and you hate to lose things? Your car keys. Yeah? Uh, These days, we seem to lose phone chargers in homes these days. Mainly because children are thieves. And... And suddenly, chargers disappear. Oh, you know, so lesson number one, if you're going to have phones with your teenagers, tr- get different makes of phones and not all the same brand. This sermon sponsored by Apple. Um, but but there, God loves the idea of found. And yet in humanity, humans love to categorize people. We love to, to put people, English, you're terrible at this. I'm sure your ethnic diversity is the same, but in England, everybody categorises each other. You know, are you uh, low class, working class, middle class, upper middle class, upper, upper, upper middle class? Are you landed gentry? Are you the Queen of England? And so... There are these, these class systems that exist and we categorise people. We do this in North America. Is he blue collar or is he white collar? Uh, we do this in our political systems. Which block group came out and voted for this group? And, and, and women under the age of um, 25 voted here and, and men over the age of 52 voted there. And so we love to categorise people. We are from this Ethnic background, of course, and therefore we are like this. And, and, and we act in this way. Uh, I am from this, you are from here. We categorise people. We even categorise people down to areas in our city. You are from Mission, and you are from West Bank, and you are from the most glorious, magnificent, anointed area of Rutland. And... And so, so we categorise people. Oh, you know those people in mission? It's rough down there. Drug dealing, gang fights. You can't go down there in mission. Oh, be careful. Lock your kids up because the mission is deadly. Um, we categorise people. But I tell you what, the scripture doesn't categorise people except in two ways. It categorises people as found and it categorises people as lost. And when we look at the world in the active life, we, we, we're active within the church, but God has called this church to be active beyond the church. He has called us to go into all the world and preach the good news. He has called us because there are only uh, two groups of people according to Scripture. In fact, in uh, nine, 18 different occasions, it talks about the lost in Scripture. And in nine different occasions, it directly talks about the lost who are lost because they do not have faith and do not have the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you to stop categorizing people as this worker or this way or that way. Start to think of them biblically, which is simply this. Is this person lost or is this person found? And if we are a found person, we are the most blessed person on this planet. And many of you have been found by Jesus. You are that lost prodigal. You are that lost coin. You're that lost sheep. And he has found you. And we have truly been found. 
that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith Jesus in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. Be found in. When you become a believer, you were once lost, but now you are found. That's a massive responsibility as a church. It's a massive responsibility because as Luke 19.10 says, he came to seek and to save that which is lost. If you want, that is the very mission of the church, to seek and to save. We are seek, healing, spiritual missiles that are reaching in, not in destruction, but seeking out those who are broken, seeking out those that are lost, seeking out those that need redemption. And I love our church because we are always seeking to see people give their lives to Jesus. We are always seeking and inviting I mean, I'm seeing in my own life, continuing people finding Christ in my own street. I can't give the stories or the examples because some people are here. Uh, but, but it's fantastic to introduce Jesus, to live in that way. And you see, it is all about the lost. It's all about seeking the lost in our lives. So... As a church and our vision, we have to keep seeking the lost. So, what do we understand about this? Well, we understand, first of all, that when I look at the world, I am surrounded by people who are lost. I'm surrounded by people who are lost. And we look around and we look at the world and sometimes scratch our heads and we see people's pain, we see people's difficulty, we see what they travel through. We see them like as if they are blind, of course, Scripture says. Uh, They haven't received the revelation that comes through the gospel. And you see their pain, you see their blindness, you see them like in life bumping each in, into each other and you see them struggling and you know the difference that when you were once blinded by sin and you became a Christian, boy, the world changed. The world went from, from, from dark and grey and questioning and wondering the purpose and the direction. And the day that you became a Christian, suddenly a light came on and, and, and life changed and it became high definition. It, it, the world was different. You, you looked at the world from a completely different way. And so we have to keep reminding ourselves as a church that we're not here for ourselves, we are here to reach the lost. You have been found, therefore God has given us a missionary call. And if the lost are blind, the danger is that the church can suffer with amnesia and forget what God has called us to really do. To love this broken world, to care for this world, to to show the love of Jesus. And for 2,000 years, the bride of Christ has shone brightly and that we are, are willing. Now, the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. You see, it's a good thing for a church to be right involved in our world. It's a good thing for us to be gathered around people. 
and to talk to them about their life's journey. It's a good thing to be found with what they called the tax collectors and the sinners. Because it's there that we can shine. It's there that we can can show the love of Jesus. It's there that we say, you know what? I'm a found person, but I care about the lost in this world. And that is the challenge of our church and the vision. That an active church is a reaching church. An active church is encouraging us to care about the lost in our families, in our world, and in our life. And we look at this and we see this. You see, the second thing is is that actually lost people are looking for Jesus. They don't know sometimes that they're looking for Jesus. They don't understand that they're looking for Jesus. Uh, They are looking for peace with the self-help books. They're looking for answers within different spiritualities. They'll even put their trust in certain rocks and crystals to be able to find some peace. And it's easy for us as found people to mock them. I mean, a, a lot of jokes come into my mind at this moment. But the truth is, when you are lost and you're looking for something, you will put your trust into anything. And how ridiculous it may seem for us, when you're lost, you know, you put your trust in the most ridiculous things. You put your trust in the most flaky ideas. You put your trust in things that have no substance. But actually, it's that ancient aching within humanity that says, I am missing something. I am truly lost. There's a gap within our hearts. And there is something that is, that is taking place. There is something that is happening within me. And this aching exists. This emptiness is present. It's an echo of something that happened in humanity's history. And what happened in humanity's history when the great fall happened? Chaos entered the world and sin became the curse of humanity. There is a lostness within the heart of man that is crying out. We see it. I am a convert to Christianity and I've said it many times. I am the third uh, generation uh, a fourth generation of atheists who don't believe in God. And I put my trust in lots of nonsense. I explored lots of things. But I remember that day when I gave my life to Jesus. It was so glorious. Wow! I walked home. I don't know if you, you've heard the story, but I went to youth group afterwards and they all sat around drinking orange juice and eating cheap cookies. And, and they sang with guitars. I'd never sat in a group of people. I mean, that was like hippies. Um, I'm like, this, whoa, look at these dudes. They're playing guitars and with rainbow straps. And... And as they were playing, uh, I was sat there, early 80s, and they were not worshipping like Scott led us this morning. They were worshipping real biblical songs like Father Abraham had many sons. Let's all praise the Lord. Amen. Do you remember that one? (laughs) I joke about Scott to make that point. I am one of them. They were all going, Father Abraham had many sons. And I'm thinking, who is Father Abraham? (laughs) 
and I am one of them, and so are you, and am I? Let's all praise the Lord. Right arm, left arm, right leg, left leg. Punch somebody in the face. <laughs> Remember those days? Deep biblical songs. Father Abraham. Who's Abraham, I thought. My dad's called Michael. And <laughs> I tell you what, I was lost, but I was found. Do you know what I did the first day? I got into school, I turned around and I said, hey guys, I've become a Christian. And I preached a little sermon. It was nonsense. Nonsense. You might say, what's changed? Um, it was nonsense. I said, give your life to Jesus right now. And at the end of it, I felt a tap on the shoulder. And I turned around and a girl looked at me. I remember her name. I still know her. She works in Safeway in the town I come from. Her name was Cindy. She looked at me and she said, Phil, I want to become a Christian. I said, you do? She said, yes. She said, what do I have to do? I said, I don't know. I said, but you can pray the prayer. I pray and see if it works. She did. It did work. And she was born again. And you know, we live in a world that aches. A world that is empty. A world that is full of tax collectors and sinners. And people called Cindy, no offence, who need Jesus. We need that in our lives. And and we need God to be at work. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the labours are few. Therefore, pray earnestly. See, we we have to be willing to pray earnestly. We have to be willing to step into this. It says the harvest is plentiful, but labours are laborers are few. So what is our response? What is the answer? Are there crowds of people seeking Jesus in Kelowna? I guess Pascal put it really well, and you can look at this quote. We won't have time to read it all through, but it's about that sense of that emptiness. It's about that idea of the longing. It's about that idea of a searching that is, that is happening within society. He captures it so well. And, and we've got to be very careful that, that the, uns, the lost do not irritate us as the found. What do you mean, Phil? Well, I've discovered that in some church cultures, thankfully not ours, but we can become irritated by the lost. We can become irritated by, by their actions, by the way that they act and the things that they do. We become irritated by that. Because we judge them. We look at them and we say, well, how can they do this? Look at the way that they act. Well, look at their behaviour. This is disgusting. Uh, this is, uh, well, that's, I want, this is, this is outrageous. They shouldn't be like this. Can I just tell you something? The lost are lost for a reason. And they behave the way they do because they are lost. And so when we look at the lost, rather than us becoming 
in our own heart, becoming judgmental and looking at them and, and judging their failures and their, 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 their actions, know that they're under the influence and the power of sin and they have not been found by the power of Jesus Christ. We've got to judge them with the heart of God. That means it's a heart of love. It's a heart of compassion. It's a heart saying, oh boy, I want, I want God to minister into their lives that where people are lost, I want to look at them like God looks at them. And what does he do? He leaves the 99, he runs to find the one sheep and he brings the one sheep back and there's a big party because what was lost is now found. And so often we can create so many problems for ourselves in our life uh, when we realise uh, that, that people are just putting themselves in looking for, you know, functional saviours of people, looking for things that they think uh, uh, a bottle of whiskey will give them the answer, another relationship will give them the answer, uh, 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 different possessions and people will give them the answer, their pastimes will give them their answer in their life, uh, their position in society will give them their answer. But the truth is, we mustn't allow the lost to irritate you. We must care for them and look at them. For the Pharisees muttered about the lost. That this, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them, muttering about the lost, looking at them and, and judging them and, and, and feeling that way. I remember when... I was a young, enthusiastic Christian. I've, I've toned down a little bit. And I remember, oh, my brother was living, you know, the clubbing out there life. And I was the kind of young Christian convert. And, and I remember he told me a few things and I would, I would he, he, he felt my judgment. He didn't feel my love, that's for sure. And one day he he, he told me about a girl he was dating who had a child, and I'm ashamed even to say it today. And, and, he, and, he, and I looked at him in kind of shock and horror. I mean, he's 18 years old, and he's dating a young lady with a baby, and I kind of looked at him, and I looked at him, I confess this to you, with judgmental eyes, like, what are you doing? Are you crazy? Like... And he told me sometime later that he saw the disgust in my face. And I love him to bits. And he said, I made a little vow to myself that I will never follow Jesus because you are such a judgmental. I won't say what he said after that. Okay? Now that's not the end of the story because this judgmental, self-righteous Christian got filled with the love of God and loves everybody, Right? But I tell you what, that was, that was hard to hear when he told me that in my early 20s. And, um, and he went on and, you know, and we have the best relationship and he, you know, found faith and, 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 and supports in a Christian school, a computer and, and, and goes to a Methodist church, you know. It just, I, I forgive him for that. And... <laughs> But, you know, there's not much choice sometimes in England. And, and only joking. And, 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 and that sense of faith is there and deep. But, you know, 
thank, thank the Lord that the Lord grabbed me from my judgmental, pharisaic... Re- I mean, who did I have the right to judge? Let's be honest, I lived like the devil before. And now I'm judging... When we judge the lost, we create problems. We haven't called to judge them, as in condemn them. We've called to lead them to salvation. We've called to reach into the broken lives. We've called to bring God's... Now, yes, actions we look at. Yes, the way that they act. Are we not happy? Their actions. But remember, they're blind. And, and remember that there's this, and we need to, to love And being critical and full of judgmental gives the worst impressions of Jesus' grace. And so fourthly, uh, I want us to think about then how do we respond to to the lost? How do you respond to people who are lost around? How do you reach out in in that way? You know, we want to love them to Jesus, but how should we respond to the lost? Well, exactly how Luke 15 teaches us. And it says, Then Jesus told them a parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Seeking, finding, going out. That should be our, our heart. Uh, we should, Christians should feel three things. We should, yes, the church should feel the responsibility of mission weighing on us. We should feel the urgency of the call to rescue people from their lostness. And we should realize that actually reaching this world is hard work. It's hard work. It is tough. We feel that responsibility. You know, what is that one person you feel responsible for? Uh, what is that, that sense of urgency that you're feeling? Are you feeling that sense of urgency in your life? Christians should recognize it, it is hard. So what, what, what are you going to do? You know, what, what, what are we going to do? This, the parable of the, of the woman with the coins, ten silver coins, and loses one. Doesn't she, she light a lamp? She starts to sweep the house, searching carefully until she finds that coin. And when she finds it, she rejoices with all of her neighbours. And they're excited because she's found that it's, it's hard work finding things that are really lost. It's hard work, Jesus is teaching, in the sense of urgency. It's hard, but when you find it, when you find it in your, in your, in your walk with, with him, there is great joy that takes place. There is great joy. And, and you see this in the story of the parable of the lost son. The son returns. And what does the father do? He says he has compassion on him. He sees his son walking up the dusty road. And he can see his son muttering to himself. And of course he is. He's rehearsing a little speech. Father, I have sinned against you and against 
heaven, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Father, I have sinned. Father, I have sinned. And he's walking up the road and suddenly father's running towards him with his beard flapping in the wind. And he's running towards him. He's going, father, father, father. He grabs him. He thinks, here it comes. Throws his arms around him and holds him with tears and joy and kisses him. Aren't you glad God's not English? He'd be going, hello, son. Welcome back. Coming in, have a cup of tea. Not God in heaven. He throws his his arms around him. He welcomes him. He says, get a robe. Kill a fatted calf. Get the musicians. Celebrate because this son of mine was lost and is now found. There's immense joy in reaching people. So, what is your response to this active life? Well, the question is, how do you develop God's heart for the lost? How do you do this? I remember uh, I was preaching in Saskatchewan. You know Saskatchewan is one of my favourite places on the planet. So he said, do you think you'll ever move there and pastor a church in Saskatchewan? (laughs) No. Uh, Well, maybe God calls you. And no. But I love to preach in Saskatchewan, of course. And, and I remember I was going down a, an old path and uh, driving down this to get to this old gospel camp in the summer. And, and there was a big sign, and this sign said, Mind the pit. And I went, Mind the pit. Whoa, where's the pit? <laughs> there was no pit. It was an encouraging message from the camp as you entered in to avoid the pit of hell. Uh, so, you know, that was a great blessing, wasn't it? I thought, this camp's going to go really well. <laughs> Little signs to remind me to mind the pit of God's judgment. Okay, which is a good message and true. But, you know, it kind of made me swerve, thinking I was about to go into a pit. Mind the pit. And I want to encourage you that your response is what I've called the pit response. At the very least... P, pray for those that are lost in your life. Pray for them. Pick one person and pray for one person that God will work. Because I know that sometimes the thought of sharing our faith can be frightening. The the thought of, of, of trying to evangelize can be difficult. But the place where we start with the lost when we're found is on our knees, praying that the Lord would rise up. People to win people and praying for one person, praying for one person to, to, to experience God's, God's strength and God's life. The second thing, really, and is, is that idea of, of talk. Talk to somebody. Pray for somebody and talk to one person about their life. It's this 75% rule. 75% listen to their story. 25% share your story. And then God will open the way to bring God's story in there. Take the pressure off. Pray and talk. And finally, invite. You can invite people. 
Invite them to live in nativity. Invite them to the many banquets. Seniors, invite them, somebody, to the senior banquet and bring them. Invite them to our Christmas services. And we're even having a Christmas Day service on Sunday morning. And you've got to invite people because it's just going to be me and Michelle otherwise. Uh, Singing hymns and Curtis. That'll be it. Um, I'm sure you'll come. But some people like to come on Christmas Day. And, and, and we're having that, that service. But invite. Now you're saying it doesn't spell pit. It spells um, I know that. But I was trying to, I was praying, I was trying to remember how I could remember this little idea that we need to pray, we need to talk, and we need to invite We start off by praying. We are willing to talk to people. And there is the person in the middle. We want to invite them. And are you willing to invite? Are you willing to believe in the power of the gospel? Are you willing to be active and step out? And we have so many good opportunities to get involved. I know you all haven't got the gift of the evangelist. But we're all called to do and there's great, great outreaches, great opportunities. This afternoon, there's a, a, a lovely meal for people uh, lifting the fog and people are gathering to, to hear stories about Jesus and their lives and a, a meal that's on. I love that. There's Alpha was, was wonderful. 400 coming out for Finding Dory. That's a first link in to our community. God is at work. But what about you in your life? Let's stand together. Oh, thank you for listening. And thank you for coming. This is one of my favourite subjects. Um, what it is. The mission of the church. And our, and our church is so good... You are so good. You tell me stories about people you talk to. And no way do I want this to be condemning. I want it to be encouraging that you start somewhere by prayer. And then you just start talking to people. And then simply invite them this Christmas period to engage. And we'll make sure that what we present and do will be connected to their lives and to their journey, to the empty hole and the achingness in their life. Let's not be irritated by, by the unsaved, by the lost. Let's love them to bits and bring them in. Let's, um, let's, if the least you can do to begin out of this sermon, the last Monday of this month, in November, we will gather in this room and we will pray for all of our Christmas and New Year's services. We'll pray for Living Nativity. We'll pray for Christmas Eve. We'll pray for Christmas Day. We'll pray for New Year's Eve where we're going to have a prayer celebration night on New Year's Eve on Saturday night at 6 o'clock for an hour and a half worshipping and praying that God will bless our nation, bless our city and bless our church and bless and be at work. And then the New Year's Day gathering together. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of opportunities for you to invite But more than that, just start praying. One prayer a day. Set your watch for one moment a day and pray 
that the lost will be reached by our beautiful church. Lord, search our hearts now. Lord, even at this moment, there may be people who are not saved, who know as they listen to me, they know that they feel lost. Even people this morning in our gathering that feel lost. And I pray that you will reach into their hearts. Just pause for a moment. If you feel this morning a lostness and you want to be found by the love of Jesus, then right at this moment, if that's you, you're saying, yes, Pastor Phil, I feel lost, I want to be found. Just raise your hand and then put it down. And by raising your hand, you're saying, pray for me. I want to give my life to Jesus today. Anybody? God bless you. God bless you. One young man giving his life to Jesus. Anybody else? Up in the balcony. Just raise your hand. I'll take one lost sheep this morning. Anybody else? Saying, I'm lost, but I want to be found. Raise your hand. I want somebody over there. Bless you. Thank you. Yes, madam. Bless you. You feel lost. Lord, thank you that the coins are being found this morning. That the, the, the sons and daughters are returning. Thank you. Thank you that the sheep have been found. Hallelujah. And I pray, God, for those now that are reaching out to you, that they will sense that salvation coming. This is the prayer I prayed when I gave my life to Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and change me. And as you gave yourself for me on the cross, I give myself to you. Whisper a prayer like that. Pray a prayer like that, those that raise your hand. It's not the fancy words, it's the heart. You're lost, but now you're going to be found. Thank you, Lord Jesus.